Greetings, and welcome to Beatles Stuffology, where two old friends sit around and talk BS, Beatles stuff, on a track-by-track basis, pretty much for the sake of it. My name is JG McQuarrie, and I'm here with my co-host, Andrew Deacon. Say hi, Andrew. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, thank you. How are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm fine. The sun is out, the sky is blue, it's beautiful, and so am I. Excellent. Well, that's as much as we can hope for. Um, we are continuing to wind our way through the second side of With the Beatles this week, and that means we are doing more good old group covers this week. So we are going to be talking about Devil in Our Heart. So, yeah, I've got to be honest, this is not my favourite track in the album, but um, how do you find it? Well, you know, it, it's... um. um um, yeah, good. Right, is is that the end of the show? Um, yeah, pretty much. Right, doesn't it? Um, I mean, there there are there are some easy things to say, aren't there? Of course, they they've changed the title because it was recorded by a girl group, so it's it's devil in his heart, devil in her heart. So we can reference back to um, to boys and the fact that they didn't give a toss at that stage, and it was just actually, do you know what? Just the song sounds good, and we're not even thinking about. The whole gender part of it so there's there's that i suppose to consider which makes it interesting it is the last cover of a girl group song that appears on an album so you know it's quite interesting in that respect partly of course because we're getting to the point of seeing fewer covers from now on we've got you know a few on beatles for sale uh, to come for example um so it's kind of marking a, a change you know, the next album will see all Lennon McCartney. And, and so that's going to be a big leap forward. Um, so, you know, in terms of a um, an, an end note, an end point, a footnote in, in terms of the kind of songs the Beatles cover, it's 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 an interesting one. But it's not a, a great version of, um, you know, an, an OK song. It's just not a great version. That's... Kinder than I'm going to be, I think it's fair to say. Um, I really don't like this at all. Uh, I don't think it's a great song, and I don't think that they do much with it. It's a bit of a shame, uh, because, you know, like, Harrison's done a couple of the girl group covers so far, and, you know, he's kind of he's kind of carved out a little niche for himself in, in doing that, but I think this is probably the least of them. I think it may well be the least of the cover versions that the Beatles do full stop, um, that whole sort of doo-wop thing, they just do not land this time out. Now, I don't know whether that's because they were kind of knackered or whatever, or just really not that fussed, but there's very, I mean, it is a Harrison song, so, you know, it's certainly possible that neither neither Lennon nor McCartney were putting their, their absolute all into it, but it just doesn't, it really doesn't work for me at all. It, it's very perfunctory, and, you know, I don't know, I just... I, I tried really hard to listen to this a number of times and, and get some sense of uh, the song being worth something or, you know, having some kind of redeeming features. I, I've come up with nothing. I um, made a point of listening to the original um, a few times this week. And after the first couple of times I listened to it, I thought, oh, it actually sounds really, really different in the way it's um, arranged and, and, and so on and so forth. And I listened to the Beatles version again. And actually, it's not. It's not. It's hardly different at all. Obviously, there's a difference in, in terms of the instruments being used and the production um, and the quality of the musicianship. But there's something that's quite jaunty and perky 
and, and almost clearer and more defined, especially about the guitar part on the um, on the original that I quite like. It, it feels like it's got a bit of character and warmth to it, whereas this does feel like it's um, yeah, a, a bit of filler. Which is exactly what it is. But I don't disagree. I think the original is... is I mean, it, it, I don't think it's a lost classic, which is, has been rescued from obscurity, but I think it's a, I think it's a perfectly fine little recording, and I think it's uh, sort of fairly clear why the band might have been sort of drawn to doing it. But yeah, you're right, there's a, a jauntiness to it. It's got a little bit of life to it in a way that the Beatles version just doesn't. It's in, sort of incredibly flat. If you listen to the, the, the version on Live at the BBC as well, um, it's kind of equally as perfunctory as the album version. It's just kind of there. It certainly occupies two and a half minutes or whatever its runtime is, and, and that's it. It doesn't seem to benefit from a live setting either. It just doesn't seem to be a song that anybody's heart is really in, ironically. Um, so it's not, I don't know, it's just not one that, that manages to convince. But no, I do agree. I think the original's got a little bit of... Um, a little bit of something to it. And there's a few other cover versions kicking around as well, which are just better. And this, you know, it's, it, you compare the amount of kind of hard work that went into something like really making um, You Really Got Hold On Me work, or even even Roll Over Beethoven, which is pretty slight in, in, on this album anyway, but, but there's proper effort being made there. And I think you can hear that in the recording, whereas I just don't really feel that there's much effort here at all. But we go back to inevitably to previous comments about the fact that an album as um, a package is still such a new thing. So there isn't that incentive to, to really spend the time developing it when, yeah. you know, I, I suppose at this stage as well, they would have known that, that people were going to buy it, you know, because the Beatles were you know, becoming so big that actually the quality control is something that comes a little bit later once they realise the value of this as as a product. I mean, it's it's not really a product. It's something that fills a hole between singles. It seems in some respects. Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's fair. Um, but I think you know, as as a as a piece of work, because the original is is it's kind of. I guess it's light in its feet. I'm not sure if that's exactly the right way of saying it, um, but it has a it has a touch to it, which is 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 gentle enough not to overwhelm it. It's a very simple song. I think there's five chords in it. Um, the lyrics are again sort of very straightforward: angel, devil, sort of kind of traditional sort of you know binary oppositions that we've talked about before, and in, in you know these kind of songs, um, and. That's all fine. There's, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but it does require a lightness of touch. And I think that's kind of what's missing here. They just stand up, play it and go away again. And there's no, it, it, it needs, I wonder actually if it would benefit from a McCartney vocal rather than, rather than a Harrison one, because he can do that lighter, slightly more whimsical kind of approach. Whereas um, George is singing it pretty, pretty much straight down the mic, as it were. And, and that's kind of flattening out all of the, 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 well, what you said, the character of the song. So I, I do wonder if somebody else had taken lead on it, it, it might have been a little bit more effective. Yeah, I mean, it, it's um, its companion piece on the album is very much Till There Was You. It has yeah. that, that sort of, um, you know, rhythm to it. Um, yeah, and I, I quite like the fact that it's, it's you know, well, okay, unfortunately, sadly for them, you know, an obscure group uh, um, that they've sort of plucked 
from seemingly from nowhere. And and I remember reading something, I think that George said that um that a reminder that they just used to route through the um um you know the record boxes that that Brian Epstein would buy copies of every single single that, that was released, regardless of, of the quality, buy a couple of copies and you know if it sold he'd buy more. Um, but the, the Beatles, perhaps sometimes, you know, if they were in, in and around Liverpool uh, before a show that they'd be at NEMS, they'd be rooting through the, um, um, you know, the boxes and just plucking out anything that seemed vaguely interesting. I, I just like the thought that, that they might have picked this up, played it and thought that's good. And yet nobody else ever bothered to pick it up and listen to it <laughs> or, or had the, the same opinion. You know, it, it's, it's quite nice when when I think groups do that and i just hope that the donnays made a little bit of money out of it uh, oh it's, it's an approach i have a lot of sympathy for i i'm a i'm a, I'm a record collector i i do like my vinyl i must admit and um i really enjoy kind of crate diving i love going to flea markets and and secondhand record shops and just like picking up a few bits and pieces for a couple of quid or whatever and you know sometimes you'll find something you go oh that's great more often than not, you'll find something um, which really deserves its 99p uh, place in the bargain bin. But it's 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 great fun. It's it's really really it was a really enjoyable thing to be able to do. And and I I find the symmetry of the Beatles doing what is basically the 1963 equivalent thereof incredibly charming. Um, I think, however, in this particular case, I think some songs are you know. For for every for every classic that you manage to dig out, you might get ninety nine, which are you know, like I say, deserving of their um, their place in the bargain bin. And whilst I wouldn't go so far as to say this necessarily deserves to be remain uh, forgotten and remain obscure forevermore, I don't know that the music world would be missing much if that had been the case. Um, but I do agree. Like, yeah, I think the approach is in- incredibly charming and. Um, it's just kind of funny that they, they found a song, they liked it enough to learn it and, and get through it, but not quite enough to to give it some colour. Most, like I said, most of the other cover versions, they do put something else into, but here they seem to have found a song, presumably they genuinely liked it, since they've, they've, they've performed it plenty often enough, it's on live at the BBC, you know, it's on the album. It, it must have meant something to them, and yet somehow that kind of extra effort that normally goes into these things just, just isn't present this time out. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that the Beatles weren't around long enough for them to have fallen into the trap of the uh, late career cover album or the contractual obligation. <laughs> uh, you know, so we, say we all. Well, we have evidence of that in, in the um, turgid John Lennon's rock and roll. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and it's sort of quite humorous to think that despite having proved himself to be a very capable songwriter in Roxy Music, that, that Brian Ferry's first couple of solo albums were... Um, were packed full of covers. Um, you know, it's sort of interesting to think that that at this point they're not thinking of the cover song in the same way. It is perhaps an homage, but it's not something that you do. Well, I suppose maybe it was something they do to show their 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 credentials. Um, you know, it's not at least as a deliberate uh, or as cynical a thing as as um, it would go on to become. And and let's face it, everyone's doing it. And and I think it's worth just reminding ourselves of the difference between um, the Beatles and, say, the likes of the, you know, the Rolling Stones, um, you know, the Yardbirds, who were more of, of that kind of blues territory. And and I did spend a bit of time listening to the first Rolling Stones album, say, which is 64, first part of 64. So, you know, after, um, you know, 
than what we're talking about at the moment, but it's full of very earnest blues covers because they consider themselves to be a blues band as opposed to a, I suppose, a rock band. Um, you know, so there is Route 66, for example. Um, you know, everybody's doing it. Everybody's walking, walking the dog. You can't say dog if you jump then. It's got to be dog. Um, and it's just, I mean, it's fine. And it probably worked contextually at the time because they were part of the blues scene and they wanted to be taken seriously as blues artists. But it's so straight down the line um, to the point where there's one of their their own songs on it. Um, called Tell Me You're Coming Back, which, interestingly, is over four minutes long. Wow. That doesn't sound, because what they couldn't do was write a blues song. The Beatles could cover songs by these girls group, girl groups and also write songs that you could imagine being sung by, by the girls groups. Girl groups. I wish I could get that right. Whereas the Stones were writing something that was just a bit poppy and maybe sort of having a go at writing something Beatles-ish. Um, and so it really doesn't sit in with some of the other ones. Um, so it's, it's I mean, it's interesting in, in that respect. And then you look at someone like the Kinks, who admittedly are a little bit later. And in 65 on their second album, they are doing um, girl groups. Believe it or not, on the Kinks' second album, there's a cover of Dancing in the Street. Oh God! And it's dull. <laughs> it, I believe I believe we use the p word uh, quite a bit on this podcast. Uh, perfunctory. It really sounds dull. And then you just kind of get into that. That I I just then because the song that we're talking about, "Devil in a Heart," is not the most most interesting. I just then fell down a bit of a rabbit hole, um, and then I found out that another band. Well, I found out. Wikipedia told me it wasn't that hard to find um, <laughs> another band that covered Devil in Her Heart, The Grateful Dead. Now, at, at this point, I was thinking... <laughs> really? The Grateful Dead? The Grateful Dead. I don't okay. think... And I, I was surprised by that, but the reason I was I'm surprised... I'm very surprised by that. I, I don't really have a view um, about what kind of songs The Grateful Dead would play because I've never listened to The Grateful Dead. Now... Wikipedia helpfully tells me that their cover as as a song, I think it may even, I don't know if it was a single, whether it was on an album, I don't know, it's three minutes 15. So onto YouTube, Grateful Dead, Devil in a Heart, and managed to find a 16-minute live version, which is... <laughs> yeah, that sounds like the Grateful Dead. Noodling. It really yes. is. Okay, so it's it's about a minute of song and, and about 15 minutes of a jamming. Which is fine, you know. You know, if you like that kind of thing, you're welcome to it. I'm, I'm really quite happy. But there's, there's nothing in that that's really recognisable with, with anything approaching um, the original song. So you know, there, there's, there's differences in terms of what, what the bands are doing. They're, they're wearing their heart on their sleeve, in some respects. And, and I, I just think, you know, ultimate respect to the Beatles for, for sticking at the poppier. Um, rockier edge rather than this very kind of earnest white boy playing the blues thing that you get from the Stones. Well, I think it's also worth mentioning the difference in terms of, uh, I mean, you're sort of talking about songwriting, but, you know, the, you know, the fact of the matter is at this point, you know, Lennon and McCartney have been writing songs together for what, 
Oh, since about 1956, 57. So you're talking about sort of six or seven years, maybe. And although, the, the, although we should remember there was a, a a point of about four or five of those years where they they were just playing covers. They were. Oh yeah, yeah. Songs. Of course, there's, there's there's a gap in there. But um, but uh, it, you know, the, the fact is that they had experience in writing songs and. You know, at this point, the Stones didn't. You know, they. You know, that was the whole thing we were talking about in the last episode about "I Want to Be Your Man." You know, they needed to get a song from Lennon and McCartney, and that was the spark that kind of kicked off their own, or at least Jagger Richards' own um, sort of songwriting. You know, uh, when they got going, and yeah, that that does make a big difference, and and because they've absorbed so many styles, you know, the Beatles can really make hay with that in a way that just most other bands couldn't and yet that again brings me around to this the, the the question of why this one doesn't quite have the same spark to it because they can do it they've proved that they can do this kind of stuff they can write their own material which is like this they can cover material which is like this but there's something just lacking in this one and again i i i, I still want to kind of say oh well it's it's because it's a george song and nobody's really over exerting themselves but that 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 may be unfair but it's still it's still kind of what i um what i take away also worth mentioning as well you like you mentioned um lennon's rock and roll as a covers album which is mm-hmm. not not good uh it is worth pointing out that mccartney did point put out one as well uh he put out the you know the the russia only album uh, trouble okay. bcccp um which is also not good. <laughs> it's well, it's, it's so sterile. It's 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 also it's also not good. Although at least at least it it was less of a contractual obligation. At least he was sort of I guess trying to do something there. But anyway, um, yeah, yeah. I, I was just thinking though that that you know in my mind this although it's not a great Beatles track, it still is better than an awful lot of the the songs that were being produced at the time by by a lot of other people and and that's that's the reason why um when we get around to it not not that this is a hint uh, when we get around to it i think i'll probably be a little bit more generous than you on the old magic scoring out of 10 front yeah i think i think we are definitely going to be uh divergent on this one um well no, I, I definitely didn't pick up your your uh, subtle and <laughs> almost almost subliminal uh, hint there. Um, so, in uh, uh, completely unrelated news, do you think we should draw this to a close and maybe give this one some kind of score? I think it's possible. Otherwise, you know, we are in danger of, of turning it into a Grateful Dead style jam. <laughs> let's, let's let's not do that. No, I'm, no, I'm, all I'm right. just going to cut straight in and say that the, I, I find it as interesting as. Um, their covers of Please Mr Postman and Roll Over Beethoven uh, and so I'll, I'll just, just chuck in a 6 out of 10 and be done with it and walk away. 6 out of 10 boom, lovely. I'm going to give it 3 out of 10. I think this might be the worst song we've covered by the Beatles so far. Um, okay. So exactly half of your score I'm afraid. Yeah, I'm I don't know. I just <laughs> And I'm not going to argue my case anymore that I already have. So um, let's just pull the rug on this one and quietly move on with our lives. You can contact us uh, by email. We are beetlestuffology at gmail.com. 
we're on Twitter at Beatles underscore ology. And you can find my blog at www.jgmacquarie.scot. And you can also find my other podcast, Talking Trek to You, on Spotify and all the usual podcasty places where myself and my co-host are going through the original Star Trek episode by episode. For this podcast, please like, rate and review us on whatever podcatcher you're using so that more people can find the show. Um, next week, we continue on through the album, second last track. We're almost there, not a second time. And as always, we hope you're going to join us for it. But until then, keep listening.